Hi, folks. On this episode of the Plug in America show, I'm joined by National Drive Electric Week and Plug in America co-founder Zan Dubin-Scott. And we talk about the history of Plug in America, and we also discuss how to get the media excited about your upcoming National Drive Electric Week event. And don't forget, National Drive Electric Week is coming to a city near you on September 12th through the 20th. Please visit driveelectricweek.org to learn where events are located or to learn how to organize and register your own event. We've developed lots of helpful information and tools to make it as easy as possible to host a National Drive Electric Week event in your area. But before we get started, please remember that Plug in America is a nonprofit electric vehicle advocacy group and our work is supported by your generous donations. Please consider donating by visiting pluginamerica.org today and we appreciate your kind support. Also, please be sure to visit pluginamerica.org and click the multimedia and podcast tabs for the show notes and links to this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Plug in America show. I'm your host, Bob Tregellis. And before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind everyone that National Drive Electric Week is coming to a city near you. This year's National Drive Electric Week is being held from September 12th through the 20th. There's now 153 registered events. It's easy to get involved, show your car, volunteer, and or organize your own National Drive Electric Week. Just visit driveelectricweek.org to learn more. National Drive Electric Week is presented by the Electric Auto Association, Plug in America, and the Sierra Club, and the exclusive automotive sponsor is Nissan Leaf. The bronze level sponsor is electric car charging station manufacturer Clipper Creek at clippercreek.com. And the media sponsor is EV charging station mapping and software services company PlugShare at plugshare.com. Joining us today is Zan Dubin-Scott, who is a co-founder of National Drive Electric Week, as well as Plug in America. Zan is the owner of ZDS Communications, a media relations, PR, and marketing agency specializing in renewable energy, clean tech, and the environment. And Zan is the communications director here at Plug in America. Welcome back to the Plug in America show, Zan. So glad to be with you, Bob. Yes, it's great to have you on, and of course, we're hoping the show gets out there to folks a couple of weeks before National Drive Electric Week next month, because what we're going to do here is we're going to cover background of National Drive Electric Week, kind of how did we get here, and we're going to even go clear back to the 90s, I think Zan was talking about as we, before we started the show here. So that's cool. We'll talk a little bit about who killed the electric car, don'tcrush.com, and so forth. And uh, then we'll discuss uh, how to get more attention at your uh, National Drive Electric Week event. Of course, having a standout event is one way to do it. There's still several weeks to go, and you can still add more things to do at your event that will get more attention. And then we'll talk a little bit, summarize uh, how to get media attention. We just did a a recent webinar on this topic, extensive webinar, and we'll be sure to get that uh, address uh, into the show notes for this episode. So, Zan, talk about the <laughs> – I know this is kind of wonky policy stuff, but it turned out to be pretty exciting stuff, especially as it was 
presented in the movie Who Killed the Electric Car? So tell us all about the zero emissions vehicle mandate. <laughs> Okie dokie. That is exactly when I got involved, um, Bob. And uh, I'm no wonk, so I promise, promise to be short on wonk, but you may have to shut me up because I love talking about this so much. Um, yes, right around the time in 2003 that the California Air Resources Board was about to eviscerate it's Zev mandate. We didn't know it at the time, but my then husband and now good friend and also Plug in America co-founder, Paul Scott and I, um, staged a, a letter writing campaign at our house back in the days when people actually put pen to paper, um, urging CARB not to cut down its uh, Zev mandate. And we also did some really fun press conferences and things back in the day with people like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, etc. Um, and so, yes, around that time, similar minds kind of formed this loose coalition, thanks to the Internet, um, about mm-hmm. people who were outraged at the crushing, the early EV crushing that was going on. And before it sort of reached the mainstream with, say, the GM EV1, there were um, instances, say, for instance, in Sacramento, where our good friend Dave Raboy staged a sit-in in his Ford Ranger. I think it was for a full week uh, because he didn't want to give it back to Ford. And that got a lot of immediate attention, and Dave got his his Ranger back. And, uh, and we credit Dave with the name of our predecessor to Plug in America, and that, of course, was DontCrush.com. And so that launched us. And when I say us, it was really only a group of about 12 crazy people in Los Angeles and in Northern California, not Los Angeles, but Southern California and Northern California. And by crazy, of course, I mean super smart and super committed. Um, launched us into a bunch of protests and more letter writing and press conferences and things to try to stop the EV crushing. And for a little bit more um, background there, what had happened was that the state of California, in its great wisdom, had created this mandate because our air was so bad and it was um, requiring all the major auto companies in the state to build electric cars. And what was happening, no thanks to a lot of um, auto auto uh, maker pressure, was they were weakening and weakening the ZEV mandate while they were crushing these cars, taking away, taking them away from people who had them on a lease and couldn't keep them themselves and literally crushing. So um, probably our best known protest was in Burbank, which was 2005. We were outside of a GM training facility. In the back was a parking lot with 78 EV1s. And we staged a 24-7 vigil for, I think it was 28 days, a very rare but bad rainy season in Los Angeles, but we always had someone sitting in their EV outside of that facility to try to stop GM from taking away these cars. Um, this is portrayed in Who Killed the Electric Car, for anyone who has seen it, which was so got it right. That movie was incredible, and it, it was a real uh, boost for us in the movement because although we had, as volunteers, been trying to get the word out through media and succeeding to some degree, um, there is nothing like having a really popular movie um, mm-hmm. in theaters across the country and then, you know, later online it was a huge, I always called it our biggest megaphone, to, <laughs> to date, you know, to date. And thank you, Chris Payne. So, but anyway, um, things started to turn around thanks to us <laughs> and um, a lot of other factors. 
thanks to Plug in America. Um, and the auto companies really started to change the direction of that big ship and stop crushing and start making, building the cars. And so at that point, that was a crossroads for Plug in America. Uh, and uh, in fact, we weren't even named that yet. But we decided, okay, Don't Crush was very much an anti-movement. We want to be pro now, proactive, and uh, advocate and push auto companies to build the cars. So that's how we changed our name to um, Plug in America. And come up with a little tagline like, no plug, no deal. No deal. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so um, that was awesome. So then in – so for Drive Electric Week – um, oh, this is a this is a fun story. Okay, so in 2009, as everyone remembers, Obama was going to be inaugurated, and we heard that we knew that there's always a big inaugural parade in the cold right outside of the White House. So we made a formal application to produce an electric car parade. We were turned down, which is fine. But then Paul came up with this brilliant idea: let's do inaugural parade West. And sort of pay tribute to Obama and get our message out about electric cars by staging history's largest electric car parade here in Santa Monica. And it was. And it was very thrilling. People came from all over to bring. It was mostly RAV4 EVs at the time. But they brought them and we were out there. And I'm thinking it was about 80, which was a huge amount for us, plus plus some other cars. And I was doing the media outreach PR for it. And I vividly remember standing in the middle of all these cars and I had pitched all the local TV networks and one of them, none of them showed up. One of them called me and say, said, you know, we'd really like to be there except for the 210 freeway is closed down and we have to go there. And for those <laughs> not in Southern California, we call our freeways by numbers. But anyway, it was a Sunday morning. You know, I was just appalled and Again, this was history's largest parade. So anyway, I don't remember exactly how much longer it was after that, but I was on the phone with Jeff Uren, who is the co-founder of, uh, with me of Drive Electric Week, and we were bemoaning this fact, and I was sort of saying, you know, if we just had a national event, something that was happened coast to coast, it would really sort of put pressure on the local media to cover it. It would inspire, it would help, it would motivate local coverage. And also we really wanted CNN and that kind of thing. Um, and that's how the event came. Um, Jeff said, we need to do national plug-in day. And that's exactly what we did. And, you know, <laughs> I get emotional about this, but that's okay because mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you can edit this out, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> no, we like a little emotion here because we're all emotional people over electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just read that the, um, there's one woman at the United Nations who's trying to fight climate change, and she she cries all the time. So <laughs> that gave me courage. Anyway, well, you're in you know, good company. <laughs> sometimes you just have to um, don't think about the details. Just just fly with your idea, and we did. And sorry. Okay, we started in 2000. Uh, when it was it? 2011 was our first event still called um, National Plug-In Day, and we were in 29 cities. And this year, our fifth anniversary, we're, we're, we're going, we're topping 150 events in a roughly 150 cities. So 
we are thrilled. And I do have to say how much work it takes on the part of volunteers all across the country. Almost every event is organized by volunteers who put days, weeks, and months into this. And it just, it blows me away because especially when I see this year, you know, the numbers topping again. And it just really shows you the commitment and the passion and the desire for these cars. So um, that gives you our history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, we do want to talk about how to help everybody get the word out. Right. And, of course, like you say, well, first of all, I'd like to just caveat or footnote one thing you said back in the going through the history that might confuse any newcomers to the electric vehicle space is Ford Ranger. Yeah, Ford, actually, in the last iteration of electric cars, they did make a fully electric Ranger pickup truck. So that's, that's what, right. what you yes. were referring to. You didn't specify that was electric or plug-in. And then also, uh, as you mentioned, the 210 freeway being closed when you had the parade in 2009, that, of course, amongst people who have done a lot of community organizing and have tried to engage the press, you know, there's that little thing that we always say, well, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And, of course, yeah. if there's some big problem, you press might be promising you, okay, yeah, we'll be there, we'll be there. And then the morning comes and they don't show up because something else happened that was more important than your electric car event. So it's just something you got to live with. Of course, creating a standout event, then they might figure out a way to get another little news crew, even when there's some big mishap on the freeway or horrific thing happened, they still figure out to get a news crew because they got to cover other news that night. And the next day in the paper, they'll figure out how to get a news crew to you if you've got a good standout event. So go. Right. (laughs) <laughs> right. And uh, a, a caveat as well. I'm not a media basher. I'm a, I'm a former reporter. Um, but I will say, you know, back in uh, 09, it was mostly RAVs. So it wasn't the new cars. These cars had been around a while. But I will also say that um, we've had some terrific national coverage through the years of Drive Electric Week. Everything from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. Uh, two years ago, 60 Minutes came out, and I almost lost my lunch. We didn't, but that was the whole, again, my purpose for creating Drive Electric Week uh, was to really, you know, make, draw attention. Um, and also, of course, is the idea was to get butts in seats, as we talk about, too. And, and that's what Drive Electric Week is. Uh, more than anything, it's test drives or ride and drives across the country. Um, so as a former reporter, what, what my strongest conviction is that how you get good media coverage of your event is to create a great event. You know, there, there's no magic. There's no arm twisting, uh, that can be done for reporters on deadline who have less and less space and column inches and time these days to write about more and more things. So, um, along those lines, I thought I would highlight some of the wonderful events we've got going on this year. And as you mentioned, Bob, at the moment, we have 153 events in 148 cities. In, in in three countries, including Hong Kong, which is really exciting. So, yeah, just interviewed the Hong Kong fellow. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> haven't so posted that show yet. <laughs> right. So he is one of 
um, the gentleman organizing the event there. That's one of our standout events because it's so unusual and it's going to be a week long, but I won't go into too much detail because hopefully everyone already listened to that podcast. Um, another big, huge event is going to be in Los Angeles. We have a terrific um, city captain who you've also interviewed, Kitty Adams. And what we have going on there looks like Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles will attend. We have a state senator and the director of the Sierra Club and all of these folks, including a whole lot of um, other NGOs, nonprofits who are participating. All of us are getting the word out. You know, this is another way that it's not direct media contact necessarily, but each of those groups I just mentioned are doing social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like to just email friends because that's really, you know, almost your strongest word of mouth. People who know you and trust you. Hey, just say, send them the link to your event, you know, and you never know where that might end up. And if, if I could stop you there for a second, I've always wondered about this, Zen. When you pull together a, a coalition and have a number of groups, like you're going to have Michael Brune from the director of the, the Sierra Club there, you know, that's a big deal. And is that something where media should be still, the press release should come from National Drive Electric Week or Plug in America, or should the Sierra Club also send out their own press release? That's a great question. So here's how that works. Generally, we, and by we, I mean this is the three organizations that sponsor the the oh, national. Right. They're a partner organization. Right. Yeah, but- yeah. So that's Plug in America, Sierra Club, and the Electric Auto Association. So what we do, our job is to publicize the event nationally, um, not individual events. We leave that up to the boots on the ground. However, um, our press releases from the national level mm-hmm. always highlight the really huge, odd, exciting events. So we'll be doing a little of, of that this year for sure. But, but also so- like if Nissan was there or is that, well, I'm sure they are there, but if like the West Coast director of Nissan or something were going to be there, should Nissan send out a press release that, hey, we're going to be at this National Drive Electric Week or is it better to just let the organizing group, the boots on the ground people do that? What I would say is it's really important to coordinate. And we've done that with Nissan as an example. They do some, they've, by the way, done a tremendous amount of outreach to their leaf owners. Because um, they're sponsors. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they, but that's really helped. It gets people to yes. sign up as volunteers, attendees, and organizers. Um, so, but what's, I, I don't mind when, you know, doubling up on press releases, but Generally speaking, I want to say again, we handle the national uh, events and, I mean, the national view. Uh, and then if, if, say, a Nissan is going to want to send out their own press release, just organize it, be in communication with the local event, right? Right. So right. everyone knows what they're doing. Okay. Now, standout events. <laughs> All right. You were talking about L.A. Well, yeah, we talked about L.A. That. Yep. So that's cool. And then something really exciting is our negative carbon road trip. So we've been uh, sending out releases on that already, as a matter of fact. And this is a gentleman, Brian Kent, in um, New York, who sort of separate from Drive Electric Week had planned to drive across the country in his EV, and his Nissan Leaf happens to be, and stop in all 48 
continue, contiguous states and plant a tree while he's there. <laughs> so we heard about this, and he's now going to be routing his um, gasoline-free tour through our event in Jefferson Town, Kentucky. So um, that's that should draw a lot of attention. As, as a matter of fact, I got a call yesterday from one of Los Angeles' two leading public radio stations, KCRW, and they're going to be interviewing Brian tomorrow morning. So it's really fun stuff. Um, another, oh man, just bang up exciting thing to me is our event happening in Oklahoma City organized by John Gallagher, who is an oil field worker. This is a guy who his job is to take his 18-wheeler and pick up petroleum from a local well and, and drive it to a major pipeline. And we're just thrilled. I mean, my, my big agenda for 2015, and it's been this way for a while, is to stop preaching to the choir we love the choir. We couldn't do it without the choir. Um, but I really want to reach, you know, people who, for instance, John was telling, John has never driven in an electric car yet. And yet here he is organizing this event. And <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. And he's got a whole ton of EVs that are going to show up and, um, you know, so, and, and he, he rarely sees one driving around town. So this to me is really, getting the word out in the way we need to. Um, really thrilled about that. And by the way, he said that he his moment of awareness came when he saw Revenge of the Electric Car, mm-hmm. uh, and that completely turned him around. So more, more standouts. This is something we advocate a lot, is to try to uh, organize your event next to an existing fair or expo or farmer's market that already draws thousands of people so that you don't have to work as hard to market it. And that's going to be happening in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Um, the event there is next to the Mother Earth News Fair. Um, tell me how much time I have so I don't yeah, go. Yeah, well, we're, <laughs> we're already, but I plan to go a little bit longer in this episode. Yeah. Well, okay, I think that gives us some good examples of standout events. And, of course, it's all up to people's individual bandwidths as volunteers, what they can organize and what they've got capacity to do. And of course, having a good hook like John in Oklahoma City, you know, being an, hi, this is an oil field worker and I organize an electric car event. That's a great hook. That gets the media's attention, I would assume. If you saw a press release like that cross your desk when you were at the LA Times, I would assume, right? Right. Yes. We so, hope. <laughs> so, so finding a good hook and being imaginative is another way to do it. Now, something that I've always found, and I'd like to get your being a professional in this regard, but I'd like to get your opinion, is I've always found that it's important to get your media and press a day ahead or even two days ahead uh, of the event. Because it's one thing to turn the media out for the event so that the community at large learns that there was an event and that this and such and such happened. But if you can get the media engaged before the event, then the media will be doing some of your advertising for free for you. You want to talk about that for a minute or two? Exactly what we want. And I leave nothing to chance. I start very early. I start with my media alerts, as we call them, three weeks in advance, just to get on reporters' calendars. I don't expect coverage at that point, but because media likes to write about things very close to an event. But as you said, Bob, absolutely critical to try to get reporters to write before your event 
to help drum up attendance. And by the way, we have a wonderful resources page on our website, Drive Electric Week, uh, which gives has templates of media alerts so you don't have to start from scratch and also a timing suggestions just like we're talking about. Cool. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, there's the more detailed webinar, which will have the link to that with the show notes with this podcast at uh, bluginamerica.org, uh, the multimedia and podcast tabs. When you find mm-hmm. this show, if you're picking this up through a podcatcher or something, don't go to the website. And then also, when you're trying to get the media's attention beforehand, of course, having a hook, you know, I usually I do three to four weeks, like you say, I send out an initial alert. Of course, people are only going to be hearing this podcast Mm -hmm. about two weeks in in advance, which is fine. But that used to be kind of in the 90s and stuff, two weeks used to be like the the time limit on getting into calendar sections on the in the newspaper and stuff line as well in, in its infancy in middle 90s but anyway i like to start really ramping it up a bit at two weeks but of course you don't want to annoy the reporters either they're busy people talking right. about that right i would say for instance and you're right two weeks is is enough time um, I would say send the press release or media alert a couple times by email and then, you know, don't wait too long. I would wait maybe three days. And if you've heard nothing, then, or maybe even after two days, if you've heard nothing, pick up the phone. Reporters often don't answer their phone, but you could try it and just be, you know, uh, careful that you're not interrupting them on deadline. You may even ask, you know, if you got a quick second, are you on deadline? And then it's a question reporters hate to get, but there's no way around it. I say, did you see my press release? Or I sometimes just say, hey, did you see my email? Because then they don't instantly go tone deaf uh, that they're, you know, a PR person is calling them. And, and, but often that produces great results. Um, one thing I wanted to add quickly about a hook, um, everyone in their own cities, they know what their newspaper or TV station is going to be most interested in. Um, we can't tell them that from the uh, national level. And I say, trust your gut. Um, one example is here in the San Fernando Valley, the valley probably everyone knows about. Uh, I happen to know that a reporter out there likes, you know, likes to focus on young kids, um, uh, students. And there's a, a, a young man out there who is do, putting on his third Drive Electric Geek event in a row. And so I'm already lining up an interview there. Um, so yeah, just go very local. If you are not familiar with what your newspapers are writing about these days, just get a couple of them and look, you know, look what the reporters are writing about and then take that name, actually email that reporter. And to find those emails, they're usually listed online. Uh, worst comes to worst, just pick up the phone and call the newspaper and say, you know, how can I contact such and such a reporter? And of course, you want to try to reach out to the reporter who you believe is most likely to cover this event. In other words, you wouldn't, you know, reach out to the movie critic, right? <laughs> right. Or the foreign correspondent. <laughs> they're, they're probably going to, might be transportation, might be environmental, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yes. And then, of course, that's a good good thing, too. If there's some way that you can work kids into the situation, that is usually a, a good hook. 
because the, the newspapers and media do like to highlight things that kids are involved in. And, of course, getting kids involved, that means you're dragging the adults along with them anyway. So you're adding more people to the pot. Okay, well, we're getting a little long, Zan, so maybe we should direct people to the webinar if they want more details on how to work with the media and how to contact them and approach them and all that stuff. Uh, do you have any further thoughts you want to, as we close this down? I would just like to thank Nissan, who has been giving us support for many years and will be into the future. Um, a shout-out to um, Chevy Bolt, who's uh, been with us as well, and our other sponsors, PlugShare, who's our media sponsor, as you've said, and Clipper Creek, who's our bronze-level sponsor. And then I have one personal request, and that is for everyone who's listening. Whatever else you're doing, I know we're all super busy, but go and find someone before your event who has never been in an EV and make sure you bring them to your event. <laughs> that's, that's the key. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Zan. Thank you, Bob. This has been another edition of the Plug in America show. Thanks so much for listening. And please help us get the word out about Plug in America and EVs by pointing your friends and family to the Plug in America website at pluginamerica.org. There you'll find a wealth of information about EVs, our plug-in vehicle tracker that tells you what EVs are available, what's coming and when, a blog, information about EV chargers and public charging, multimedia content, promotional materials, and much more. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us there. If you'd like to find out more about me, my name is Bob Tregillis, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. And please remember, Plug in America is a non-profit electric vehicle advocacy group, and our work is supported by your generous donations. Please consider donating by visiting pluginamerica.org today, and we appreciate your kind support. Thanks to Anglegord, whose music was used here by permission. And until next time, remember, at Plug in America, we drive electric, and you can too. <laughs>